It's time for the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast. On this edition of the Kirby on Sports Podcast, Dak Prescott gets a deal to stay in Dallas. My thoughts on that, plus Seattle and Russell Wilson and possible speculation that there could be a trade. All that plus my interview with Ben Standig of The Athletic to talk about the Washington football team, Alex Smith, and so many other topics. Before we begin, we would like to thank our sponsors, Regroup Building Services, PM Plus Reserves, Shenandoah Primitives, and Chief Graphics. Big thanks, as always, to Dave Johnson and Productions by Quet as well. It's time. For another edition of the Kirby on Sports Podcast, it comes your way right now. connected this is dave johnson voice of the washington wizards you have connected to the right place because you are listening to my man josh kirby on sports podcast all right welcome back to another edition of the kirby on sports podcast big thanks to our sponsors once again regroup building services pm plus reserve shenandoah primitives in chief graphics big thanks as well to dave johnson and productions by Quet. A lot to get to here on the Kirby on Sports Podcast. We will have my interview with Ben Standig of The Athletic later on in the podcast, so stay tuned for that. Um, before we get down to business, though, the Kirby on Sports Podcast. You can find anything and everything, the Kirby on Sports Podcast, on our brand new website. Yes, we have launched a website. It took a while, but it's finally up and running. Hopefully, you all can check it out www.kirbyonsports.com it's really nice it's been up for a couple of days now but um i i like it i like the the design and you can pretty much see everything on there and get um all streaming platforms our anchor page and everything so once again that's www.kirbyonsports.com Let's get to some news for you all. Once again, I'm Josh Kirby riding solo. Dan Dembski taking the week off. Um, So it's just me. So hopefully you won't get too bored of my voice and myself talking sports. So let's dive right in. Dak Prescott. If you haven't heard, you will right now. Dak Prescott right before teams can start tagging players Dak Prescott got a new deal four years 160 million dollars with 126 million dollars guaranteed to stay with the Dallas Cowboys um yeah I I mean it's hard for me to wrap my head around this deal first and foremost because 
you know, Dak has played well. I saw his stats um, earlier today, and I, I mean, it just looks like the the thing about this. Uh, uh, let me let me just gather my thoughts here. The thing about this is um, the reason why I think this deal is sort of overpriced is the fact that Dak has only appeared in three playoff games, only winning one playoff game for the Dallas Cowboys. And, I mean, it's it's good for Dak. I mean, after what he's been through uh, last season, fracturing his ankle and all of that, he couldn't finish the season. And for him to get this deal, obviously it's huge for Dak Prescott because he can return to Dallas because there was uncertainty. The, it, about the, a couple weeks ago, I thought Dallas would tag Dak Prescott and he would not get an opportunity to prove his worth. We all know Jerry Jones and da- the Dallas Cowboys are made of money. They can uh, dig down in their pockets and get anybody they want. And they eventually did that for Dak Prescott. It, it sort of was a thing um, where... Dak was staying firm on how much he wanted to make because we all know Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys can afford it. They can afford literally anything. I mean, granted, that's uh, without the cap space and stuff, but obviously Dallas looks good in terms of the cap space. Um, uh, uh, Let me just take a look here at Dak's career stats so far. 2016 with the Cowboys, 3,667 yards, 23 touchdowns, 4 interceptions. 2017, 3,324 yards, 22 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. 2018, 3,885 yards, 22 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. 2019, he almost had 5,000 passing yards. That the, This 2019 season for Dak Prescott was the deciding factor on, okay, I, I, I need more money here. I, I need an extension. Because at that point in 2019, Dallas still wasn't sold for some reason. And... I feel like they needed to see more out of Dak Prescott, not just winning football games, because, you know, Dallas was consistently at the 8-8 eight and eight mark right at 500. And that's that, to me, I think told the front office in Dallas and um, the coaching staff at the time was Jason Garrett. Now it's Mike McCarthy. But um, uh, at the time, I think the front office needed to see more happen because at eight and eight, 500 barely squeaking into the playoffs for quote unquote America's team. I I, I just don't think that was enough to warrant a brand new extension. You look at the 2020 season, obviously he fractures his ankle. He only has 1,856 passing yards, nine touchdowns, four interceptions, and what we all know in the NFC East division that did not play well at all. Washington comes out on top, but it, it was pretty much a race for last place. It, it was anybody's division with a losing record, a team won the NFC East. But granted, I saw social media. I saw everywhere 
where um people were saying if the Dallas Cowboys don't make it to the Super Bowl within four years or however long Dak's uh, Dak Prescott's contract was for, which was four years, then it's a waste of money. And I have to I, I have to agree with some of those people who said that because of the fact of the matter is you're overpaying if uh, for a quarterback because Dak Prescott wanted that money. He declined. Another offer made earlier in the year. I'm going to pull up those numbers for you, but uh, it, he declined an offer five years, $175 million. That was earlier in the year because Dak obviously wanted to make more money. He makes $160 million, a little bit less, but the guaranteed money, it's $126 million guaranteed. I think Dak was looking for the $126 million guaranteed. So, it, uh, with that being said, if the Dallas Cowboys cannot make it to the Super Bowl, and I'm not saying playoffs, I'm saying Super Bowl, because Dallas is most most capable of making it to the playoffs. It just depends on what team is fielding. They have the defense. I mean, the O-line needs to improve because last year it just was not good at all. But, I mean, they have what they need to make it to the playoffs. But making it to the Super Bowl with Dak Prescott. The Dallas Cowboys are throwing this money at Dak Prescott. And if he underperforms, like a lot of people think, and I think there's a chance Dak won't live up to the expectations due to the fact, unfortunately, that his ankle, he he will be coming back from a major ankle surgery. Uh, I, I mean, obviously, he's a professional athlete. D- don't get me wrong there. He's a professional athlete with, the best doctors and the best trainers to get him back into the shape. But I'm telling you, a injury with that sort of severity, it it just comes down to how are you going to perform post-injury? Because, I mean, obviously, I I don't want to go back to Alex Smith, but I feel like I have to. The severity of the injuries were nowhere near each other. But, I mean, the performance of play after that was different. Alex Smith, gone for two years. I I mean, this might be a bad example, but this is the only one I can think of for the time being. But anyways, I mean, there's a chance Dak can go out and prove he's worth that much. And if that's the case, then so be it. But I I mean, I just don't think he will live up to it. But once again, prove me wrong, Dak Prescott, because I would love to see... That happened because Dak Prescott, I mean, I sort of like Dak as a quarterback. I I do. The only reason why I don't, he plays for the Dallas Cowboys, and I'm a fan of the Washington football team. But all biased aside, I like Dak Prescott as a quarterback. I feel like he's been given an unfair shot with the Dallas Cowboys in a sense due to the fact that, um, I mean, Dallas just hasn't produced well enough in years past squeaking into the playoffs on paper you see the Dallas Cowboys every year and they're projected to win in uh, the NFC East and it's like yeah I mean this team can definitely do it but they always underperform 
So I, I, I'm going to end it with this before we get into the next topic of discussion, that Dak Prescott, if he lives up to the contract in his money, it, I, I think th this contract serves as motivation for him to do even better. But it's not just the quarterback, it's the team. If Dallas cannot improve their offensive line, I've noticed from when I've watched Dallas, their O-line last year was especially terrible. They cannot, they couldn't protect the quarterback. Andy Dalton, when Dak Prescott got hurt, he wasn't getting much protection either. I mean, so you have to improve the team around Dak Prescott. So that that's number one. And number two, Dak Prescott, keep him healthy because Dak can move around in the pocket and – he can evade pressure. So, I mean, that O-line, still, you got to protect him in the pocket. But still, if if you're throwing this much money at Dak Prescott, you got to help him out. You have to help him out. Because if not, if you're not going to improve that offensive line and um, help him out, I, I mean, I just don't think he'll live up to the contract. But once again... With, uh, with Dallas in their front office, uh, the second year under Mike McCarthy, which I think he will improve things in Dallas. I really do because his first year was just, you, you know, he was in a new system. And it, it, I, I mean, I, I don't really know. It was the whole Kellen Moore play calling thing. I, I don't know why Kellen Moore is still there. Hopefully, hopefully they'll make that change soon enough. I, I didn't really agree with it, but I mean, talking with Alex Alcazaz of the Bear of Texas podcast, we've discussed this multiple times on his podcast. But still, if Mike McCarthy is calling the plays and Dallas helps, bolsters up the O-line to protect Dak Prescott, there's a good chance that he lives up to the contract. But for the time being, as I see it right now, I mean, time will tell. This is a very early prediction for me. But um, I I really do think that um, yeah. I, at this point, l like I said, it's too tough to tell. But this is my early prediction. I don't think Dak's gonna live up to the pro uh to the contract. But yet again, prove me wrong, Dak Prescott, because I'd love to see it. Because I I'm not gonna be surprised if I see Dak Prescott improve better and better because. Uh, I, what he's gone through, Dak's a fighter, in my opinion. And it, if I know Dak well enough, uh, I mean, from watching him play for the Dallas Cowboys, I know that he will come back from this injury and fight even hard to get back to the way he was. But still, I, I mean, with an injury, ankle fracture, that severity, uh, uh, who knows? Uh, I mean, an ankle, the ankle could tighten up again or something. I don't really know. But still, it's just a matter of the injury, how he will play post-ankle surgery. He's already had surgery, I believe. So, um, I mean, rest and recovery, obviously, and just get conditioned so you're ready for the season. And Dallas, help him out with the offensive line and – Get better play calls. Um, I mean, because it's not the quarterback. It's not just the quarterback that can win you football games. And I don't know how many times I've said this on the podcast, but 
you just have to help Dak Prescott out. So that's my take on Dak Prescott once again for the Dallas Cowboys right before the franchise tag period starts up. He gets four years, $160 million with $126 million guaranteed. Would you like a breakdown on that? Because I have that. According to Bleacher Report Gridiron on Twitter, Dak's Dak's contract in the first year, $75 million with a $66 million signing bonus, $40 million per season. He is making $694 every second he plays. Every minute played, he is making $41,667. And per game, $2,500,000. That's just a breakdown of Dak's contract. I actually do like those contract breakdowns because it gives you perspective on how much a certain athlete is making every second, every minute, every hour. I'm astonished. Like, To be honest, I'm not sure what I would do with that amount of money if I were making $694 a second. If I was making $694 a second, man, I I don't know what I would do with myself. It, (laughs) I mean, it's sort of insane to think that, but still, it, I, I, I don't really know, but that is insane. Once again, Dak Prescott, four years, $160 million with $126 million guaranteed to stay with the Dallas Cowboys right before the franchise tag period begins. You're listening to the Kirby on Sports Podcast. We'll be right back. I'd like to take a moment to talk about my friends over at Regroup Building Services, specializing in custom homes, remodels, additions, and so much more. If you're looking for a new place to call home or just need repairs on your current one, look no further because Regroup Building Services has you covered. Just a couple months ago, Regroup Building Services came in and redid our entire kitchen, and boy, does it look great. I cannot recommend them enough. So if you're looking for anything to be done, make sure you check them out at www.regroupbuildingservices.com. Once again, that's www.regroupbuildingservices.com where they do the honeydews that your honey don't. Make sure you tell them Josh sent you. Back with you on the Kirby on Sports podcast. My next take I want to discuss, um, not sure how long I will talk about this for, but um, it's Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks. Um, obviously with trade rumors going around saying Russell Wilson wants to stay with Seattle. He hasn't specifically said, oh no, I, I want to get traded, but he says he is open to a trade. He's open. And a lot of these rumors, I, I don't want to speculate. I'm not going to say this, this is going to happen or not going to happen, but what I am hearing out of the speculation of Twitter in media outlets around is that Wilson could potentially be traded. Uh, I would not be surprised either way. I would not be surprised if Russell Wilson stays a Seahawk or I would not be surprised if Russell Wilson gets traded. One of those teams I'm hearing 
from the rumors once again. I, I hate speculating, and I, I don't want to say that it, it's actually going to happen. So this is from what I'm hearing based on the rumors is that Russell Wilson in the Bears, the Bears are looking for a quarterback. I mean, uh, who do they have? They have Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky. Mitch Trubisky is probably on his way out the door. But um, l- looking at this, I-, I feel like either way you look at this, um, Russell Wilson, if he stays in Seattle, let's discuss this. If he stays in Seattle, Russell Wilson needs help. There's no offensive line protecting Russell Wilson. He's been under pressure most of the season, and I think that's one of the big reasons why um, his gameplay towards the tail end of the season went downhill, and he wasn't able to get an MVP vote, which I thought at the beginning of this season that Russell Wilson would get an MVP vote, but he didn't. And the defense isn't there, so Seattle is losing points because their defense can't make stops. So all this and all that. But Russell Wilson, I think he's a really humble guy, and I feel like it's not all about the money for him. But Seattle needs to give him better. Needs to give him better. Let's look at the last one, two, three, four, six years for the Seattle Seahawks. In 2015, 10 and six, second in the NFC West, losing in the divisional playoffs. 2016, 10, five and one, first in the NFC West, losing in the divisional playoffs. 2017, nine and seven, not making it to the playoffs. 2018, 10 and six, Losing in the wild card. 2019-11-5, second place. Losing in the divisional in 2020. 12-4, first place. Losing in the wild card to the Rams. So, I mean, the Seahawks are struggling, in my opinion. They need to rebuild in pieces and sections. But here's my take. If Russell Wilson does get traded... The Seahawks will be rebuilding because, uh, I mean, Russell Wilson, once again, he's a humble guy. He's great, and um, I, I enjoy watching him. And I feel like he's he's giving a lot, but the rest of the team just isn't in place, going back to the offensive line. The defense giving up points, and they can't get, uh, get off the field and have the offense do stuff, but... You know, um, I I wouldn't be surprised either way. I would not be surprised if Russell Wilson gets traded. If that were to happen, or if Russell Wilson stays, I would not be surprised either. But if Russell Wilson stays in Seattle, they need to give him more help. And that will come through free agency, I hope, and the draft, I hope. They need to build their defense and build their offensive line. That's my thoughts 110%. Because you need an offensive line to protect your quarterback, and you need a defense to stop the opposing team 
on three and out and get your offense back on the field to make plays. You see Russell Wilson, he's mobile. He makes great plays. It's not Russell Wilson that's the problem. It's the rest of the team around him that's not there. And that's why I think if Russell Wilson gets traded, Seattle will be in a world of hurt for years to come until they find a franchise guy. But uh, once again, I don't want to speculate saying he is. I'm just saying that's what I'm thinking if he were to get traded. But short, simple, brief. I, I've been wanting to get this off my chest for a long time now because I've been hearing about these rumors. I, I, I mean, trade rumors to me, I, I don't really take well. You know, I, I don't like think they're true until they actually happen. So, I, I mean, looking at these rumors, I don't believe it unless an official source says it's going through. So, the, for right now, it's all speculation in the media. And once again, I don't want to speculate, but I just want to give you my opinion on what I think would happen either way if Russell Wilson stays in Seattle or if he were to get traded. If he stays in Seattle, he will put everything on the line. I know that. I saw the report. Uh, something, I, I forget where I saw this, but Russell Wilson spends nearly a million dollars on his body. A million dollars. That's a cryobaric chamber or whatever the heck you call it. And a cryogenic, whatever the term is, where you, I, I think it's where you put your body in and freeze it, and it's like therapy in some sort of way. And then you have two personal chefs preparing your meals so you stay healthy. A million dollars to spend on your body and uh, to get yourself in the best shape getting ready for an NFL football season. And in my opinion, I, I think I think that's great. I really honestly think that is great due to the fact that, I mean, spending that much on your body shows the dedication to the game, in my opinion. And uh, I feel like the dedication to the game for Russell Wilson is very high. And, well, once again, I'm going to say I feel like he's a humble guy, and I don't think it's all about the money for Russell Wilson, but... If Seattle continues to produce an okay, decent product squeaking into the playoffs and losing in the wild card, in years to come, if it doesn't happen like these rumors are saying, in one to two years, I could see Russell Wilson requesting a trade. I really could. But that's just me. That's a long way down the road. But... I mean, that's just one point that's been on my mind all week long. And I just really wanted to discuss it. And, um, I mean, what else is there to say? I mean, Russell Wilson is a great athlete, but Seattle needs to help him out. Help him out. And if Russell Wilson were to get traded one more time, Seattle will be hurting. Will be hurting. I, I'll tell you this right now. If Russell Wilson gets traded, I don't see Seattle making it 500. 
I don't see them making it 500. I, I think they will miss the playoffs and they will be rebuilding for a while. But that's my take on Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks and the potential trade rumors that are looming. Once again, I'm Josh Kirby. You're listening to the Kirby on Sports Podcast. Coming up next, my interview with Ben Standig of The Athletic to discuss Alex Smith, Washington football team, the Washington Wizards, and so much more. Once again, Ben Standig coming up next on the Kirby on Sports Podcast. For sports fans living in condominium and homeowners associations, as well as business professionals, when you need a reserve study, PM Plus Reserves has been in business since 1990. Their studies are accurate and easy to understand. Check them out when your association needs a study, www.pmplusreserves.com. You can also contact them at 703-803-8436. Once again, www.pmplusreserves.com. All right, joining us now on the Kirby on Sports podcast is Ben Standig. He is a reporter with The Athletic. He covers the Washington football team and the Washington Wizards, and he runs his own podcast, the Standig Room Only Podcast. I, I feel like a podcast for you, Ben, was meant to be because the play on words with your na- last name. So I-, I appreciate you hopping on with us. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing. I'm doing great. Uh, I appreciate that. Yeah, the po- the podcast is fun. Uh, I don't think I've ever had anybody. I think people enjoy the name of the podcast more than anything I've ever written or anything else I've ever tweeted or done. So I appreciate that. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. So um, the athletic um, it's been around for a little while, but I, I got one of your colleagues on Tarek El Bashir. But I'd like to ask you the same question. In your mind, how does the athletics set themselves apart from any other news media outlet, in your opinion. Tarek Elbashir, that hack. Not just kidding. Um, <laughs> Tarek's my guy. Um, how does it set us apart? I mean, I guess I'll just say this, and this is not me kissing butt to the bosses, because at one point a few years ago, I had my own subscription based website with uh, two other writers. And I think the thing is, it's just that the model of how people, of how these sites make money effectively is typically you need people to click on your site to generate the the avenue advertising revenue from there, right? And that leads to, for for say, a New York Times, the Washington Post, that's not that complicated. You're writing really important stuff. A lot of people are going to come, so on and so on. But when you're for some other sites, in order to get people to come, you'd have to write things to cater to that. What, what does that often mean? That's where the term clickbait comes in and things like that. And I know as a consumer that I don't like those sites necessarily. I want something real, something tangible, something that is interesting, thought provoking. Yeah, sometimes it can be fun, but like whatever it may be. And then um, so when you go the other way and you have a subscription model like the athletic and we had with the sports capital, then you're basically telling people up front, look, here's the deal. We're not going to have ads. Uh, by the way, also no video pop-ups, none of that stuff that drives us all crazy. At least I assume it does, just me. And, 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 you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a relationship. You give, you come to us, so help support us by just like with anything else, you know, we all do all kinds of things all the time where we spend money on, on whatever it is. So you do that and we will in turn 
give you this that is hopefully you find this worth your your time. And I, I think I don't know if I just answer, if I answered the question in an intelligent way, but like to me, that's the biggest difference between the athletic and these other sites. Now, on top of that, the athletic has gone out and hired in most cases excellent writers from across the country. I really can't believe that like I'm a teammate. I say in air quotes with like you know Ken Rosenthal and like David Aldridge is my boss and. You know, I mean, Tark, I'm making fun of him, but like, you know, he's a you know, high, highly credentialed reporter and, and tons of others in in uh, in the market and and, and, uh, and throughout the country. So it's really an impressive group of people. And then I just think it, it the, the format lends to better work and then hopefully a better relationship with the, with the consumers. Absolutely. So uh, your jobs, uh, I would assume it's been taking like a lot of ups and downs with this pandemic. Uh, when COVID-19 first started, I'm sure everyone like yourself, I, I asked pretty much everybody this, but um, as a reporter for The Athletic, how has your job changed during the pandemic? Are you enjoying the Zoom press conferences or do you like the more in-person sort of thing? Uh, what's changed and do, do you like the Zoom stuff better? Do you like the in-person stuff. I know some reporters say, oh yeah, I love the, you can build better relationships that way. But um, in your mind, how has it affected you? Does anybody say they like the Zooms better? Oh, I, I mean, not really. But I, I mean, for stuff like this, I mean, it's perfect. Like podcasting, I, I switched sure. to Zoom. It's great. But I, I don't know. I, I, assume that some people would have a different opinion on zoom but i don't yeah. know uh, yeah no i mean there are certain aspects of the zoom world that we're in that is better like this you're right doing a podcast and i do have, have the same issue um it's not that bad and some of the things but in terms of the job no i just no, it's not it's not real it's not real fun uh you know at the end of the day you want to have the you know i mean you don't want to have to ask the questions you're going to ask in front of all of your competition more or less and you want to be able to you know talk to certain people one-on-one -on -one. and technically we could do that sometimes we could have some one-on-one one-on-one interviews at times during the year but it's different over the phone and over zoom I actually did a story uh during the season of like what was it like for Ron Rivera and the players on the other end of the zoom and to me that was an interesting story because you got sort of their perspective and ultimately they, you know, for them, it's not that bad. We're, we're out of their way. But for us, we need to be around them to get to know them. And, and it, it, you know, it's the subtle things also. It isn't just like, I'm going to get the big story. It's just get a better sense of who they are as people and vice versa. And I think all that, um, all that helps. In terms of like how the job has changed, that, that's the biggest thing. I mean, not having any access. As an NFL reporter, though, I got to be honest, like it wasn't that dramatically different compared to the other ones. Like for us, we were already in the offseason last March, you know, when this all started. Um, the NFL draft and free agency was a well, free agency was about to start the draft like a month later. So that was weird a little bit, but it effectively wasn't ultimately that different. And then we got through that, got to the offseason and then kind of went from there. Whereas like my colleagues who are covering the Wizards or the Nats or the Caps, I mean, they were off for months. Like their seasons were paused. They were in this weird space of, wait, we're still going to keep playing. We're not going to keep playing. Like we don't know what's happening. They had no real access. Um, I think it was more, I think it was tougher on them. So it's been weird for everybody for sure. Um, I think on the NFL side, we were probably a little bit luckier, um, but 
honestly, for me, it's just more of like, we're all, I, I'm taking all this very seriously. I've been stuck in this house. And since the, the, the football team season ended, <laughs> it might really have like gone nowhere. I basically just stayed in the house. I mean, more or less, you know, and um, that part sucks, but that's, I think that's everybody's problem. Well, I, I mean, hopefully we can get through this one way or another, uh, another, I can see a bright light at the end of the tunnel, just saying we're done with COVID. We can go back to normal, but I'm hoping that once again, we're joined by Ben standing of the athletic here on the Kirby on sports podcast. Make sure you find him on Twitter at Ben standing. He's also the host of the standing room only podcast. I listened to the entire interview, the Jay Gruden interview. I think a lot of people were hyped over the Jay Gruden interview. You got him. Yeah, I, I mean, a lot of interesting points. Um, g- give me your thoughts on that whole interview. Yeah, that was fun. You know, I it, it's the guest has got to be, you can tee the, the guest up all you want, but if they don't deliver, then it's, it, it, you know, it, it is what it is, but he, you know, gave a lot of, a lot of insight into um, his time in Washington, uh, you know, what he went through. Um, I, 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 I enjoyed it. I'm not going to lie. My memory is shot. The, the pandemic is not helping and it's not been like a month. I don't even remember exactly hundred percent of what we discussed, but it was a lot of fun. And I definitely want to get Jay um, back on. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he had, he had a lot of, you know, a lot of insight just into, uh, well, obviously he has the insight. He shared his insight into just you know sort of how things went there during his time, um, you know, both in terms of Dan Snyder, some Bruce Allen stuff, um, you know, what just kind of you know his his year in between, his next steps, and you know, ultimately, like I said, it's just like with anything in life, right? If the person is compelling and interesting and fun and willing to share things with you, then that makes that, that, that makes it for, you know, typically an easy conversation and, and Jay is, is, uh, is a lot of fun. So um, yeah, I, I enjoyed that, that, that chat for sure. Yeah. It, it was a great, interesting show. Check that out on the standing room only podcast. Once again, I, I, I want to get into some of the Washington football team. Uh, as we know, Washington parted ways with Alex Smith. That's not really what I, what I want to discuss here. It's the big picture. Do you think in your mind, Ben, that Alex Smith um, will get an opportunity to start somewhere else? In my opinion, I, I really don't think an NFL team is going to go for him. I, I just feel like with his leg and his production on the back half of the season for the Washington football team, he just – wasn't really producing. And I mean, granted, he broke his leg in 2018, came back a remarkable story. And um, give me your thoughts on what you think the next steps are for Alex Smith, just in your opinion. I mean, I think I'm generally with you. I mean, you know, there's only so many teams left that have quarterback openings and there's now going to be an influx of draft picks. It sounds like, you know, probably five are going to get picked in the first round. I don't personally like starting rookies, but some teams obviously do. Then you still have this mishmash of free agents and some guys potentially could get traded. I'm not talking about the Deshaun Watson stuff, but like, you know, your Marcus Mariota's, your Sam Darnold's, your Ryan Fitzpatrick's, whatever. this is the problem of course that the Washington football team faces that none of those guys are particularly exciting, but you're going to have to probably bring in somebody, but all those guys are probably a little more interesting than Alex Smith. I think, I guess what I, if I'm a team, what where Alex Smith becomes interesting, like 
I think the Jacksonville Jaguars are like the obvious one because of his prior connection with Urban Meyer, his college coach. Bring in Alex Smith to either be the bridge to this younger quarterback, in their case, probably Trevor Lawrence, that's coming in, help be a mentor, that type of thing. So to that extent, maybe he could start uh, the beginning of a season for a team while they have the younger player come on board. Um, but look, he's a he's a tremendous leader. Obviously, the story was inspiring. You hear nothing but positives from teammates and, and, and people around him about who he is as a person, as a leader, and, and he's a great example. So I could see that being attractive to somebody, but it just – Man, you really have to be, I think, on a complete rebuild with a rookie, with, with, without anything, and with some sort of young rookie quarterback to say, "Hey, Alex, come here. We want you to be the starter flat out." I just, I don't know. It, it seems unlikely to me, but you know, I guess his leadership qualities maybe some will just value that above and beyond everything else. I, and I guess also just to be fair to him, his his recovery situation is so unprecedented that I don't know. Maybe somebody in the medical community says, "Hey." He got better. I mean, he did have the injury late in the year, of course, that's different from not connected to to, 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 to the broken leg. But um, I don't know, maybe somebody says, oh, look, he made great strides, he'll only get better. I, I know nothing about those things, so I, I won't say. But, yeah, I'm kind of with you ultimately. I just think don't get why somebody would say we want him to start unless it's just that mentory kind of way. Yeah, I, I absolutely. I agree with you on that too. So, um, I mean, there was really no right way for what there was really no right scenario in my opinion that um Washington could keep Alex Smith because the, it, I believe he was asking for too much money and it was just too much on the cap that Washington obviously needs somebody younger whoever that might be we don't know that answer quite yet but it saved Washington a bunch of cap room with that. They're like 50, 60 million with spending money. Uh, besides a quarterback, where could you see Washington going and getting somebody at uh, position wise? Um, so I, I kind of think their biggest concern other than quarterback is linebacker. Um, you know, that's clearly was the weakest unit on the defense last year. Ron Rivera had Luke Keekley and Thomas Davis, the peak version of Thomas Davis in Carolina, and he values that. He was a linebacker himself, of course, in the NFL. And he, you know, he, I think it's pretty apparent he need, he recognizes that they need more there. Now, you could do that in the draft, of course, but you could also do it for agency. I don't know if that means you spend $13, $14 million. There's only a handful of guys that may be remotely interesting. But, okay, to me, that would be the top need. The, the more the easiest solution in terms of spending money is wide receiver. They obviously also need that. I do think I, I personally am not a big fan of spending money at that position, but okay. Um, I, I, I get it. Um, I, I would just say that um, I think wide receiver is an obvious one. I think that from there, left tackle, free safety, or, or, or as well, they need to re-sign Ronald Darby or they're going to have to get another cornerback. It can kind of depend. We'll see where that goes. So I think those are probably the positions where I would say they, they need to, Spend them, and of course, there's some other things. Backup tight end. They got to get some more defensive end depth behind Chase Young and Montez Sweat, things like that. But um, those are the big ticket items for me. Linebacker. They need wide receiver help, but we'll just see how much money they. I'm not a big fan, like I said, of spending big at that spot. But they're gonna probably have to get some more help one way or the other. So, um, speaking of the cap, um, I, I want to get your thoughts on this as well. Carson Wentz getting traded to the Colts and. The, the Eagles are like negative in the cap space big time. 
I mean, that I mean that's going to affect the Eagles one way or another. Looking at this cap situation. Yeah, I mean, a good thing for a team like the Eagles, I don't think they're trying to win this year, I guess. So whatever, I don't know exactly the ins and outs of their situation, but there are teams like the New Orleans Saints who are still, you know, trying to win the Super Bowl now, who are also uh, way under the cap or way on the wrong end of the cap, you know, and that, that a team like that, I think is more interesting just from the standpoint of like, how do you make this work while remaining competitive? But yeah, for Philadelphia, they're, you know, uh, once they click clearly the season went, went went south for them they they've moved on from their coach their quarterback and they're clearly to some degree starting over which is a probably reasonable uh, thing to do so i don't like i said i don't know exactly what they need to do but they'll be um you know uh uh th- they'll be making moves and for the future in mind probably not so much the 2020 what tw- the 2021 season i forgot yeah. what year i forgot what year <laughs> Man, so um, I mean, news broke recently too. I, I sticking with the Washington football team for just n- another moment here that they got rid of their cheerleaders in place of a co-ed dance squad. I, I know reporters don't really cover the cheerleaders, but it, I mean, yet again, it must have been terrible for the cheerleaders to find out about this news over social media. Yeah, I mean, if 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 that's how it sort of broke down, that that's how it went. Um, yeah, I mean, that that's that's not great uh, for any you know anybody any anybody to find out that their future in in that kind of way. Um, I, you know, this is just another one of these uh, scenarios in terms of the cheerleaders overall that's connected to the larger story about how this organization is treated people um, and what are they going to do going forward? Obviously there's you know, bigger Dan Snyder news out there is it with his ownership, how, how, how in jeopardy is it and things like that. Uh, this is part of that. And, you know, even if they're, they're clearly making a lot of changes, uh, brought in Jason Wright as the team president and so on, um, that may be going over well in terms of culture, but in terms of, or, you know, starting to make some strides perhaps. But yes, if they found out on social media, that's not that's not ideal. Um, obviously, just to, just from a you know person uh, per person to person perspective, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's uh, there's just, you know it, it's just, there's always so much going on with this team, and and this week has been a good example of that. I mean, we haven't even had that much to talk about in terms of the actual football side, other than the Alex Smith part. It's all this other stuff that's happening that's uh, getting our attention. I, I mean, in my opinion, and I keep saying this to myself and my buddies and my co-host and everything, the, the fact of the matter is, why does this always have to happen to Washington? It seems like Washington is only the, the only NFL team that causes the most drama non-football related. Um, I mean, it's certainly hard to argue over the last two decades. Uh, that, you know, that they've been, you know, pretty high in the power rankings one way or the other. Um, you know, look, I mean, you're, you're, you're a young guy, so you'll, you'll eventually, you know, start having more work experiences and things like that. But like, you know, there is one thing that is consistent, whether you're talking about sports or really any, any line of work that anybody does, that the success or failure of an organization effectively starts at the top. The, the, whoever's at the top sets the tone for what's going to happen beneath. And 
That's why, you know, people can get mad over the years of Vinny Serrato and Bruce Allen and Jay Gruden and Mike Shanahan or Kirk Cousins or whoever else you want to get mad at. You might have some justification in that moment, but at the, at the end of the day, one guy's still standing and that's the owner. He's the only one that's been consistent around. And that's why, you know, even though there's positive signs here with Ron Rivera in terms of the football, like if you could just look at the football side and be like, okay, well, they made it, they, they improved last year. The players really seem to buy into the player, uh, to the coach, um, so on and so on. And that's all great, but you know, it's impossible to ignore the insider looms and that based on his presence, things have been terrible more or less for the last two decades, you know, uh, in, in a general sense. And, and certainly, I mean, I grew up a fan of the team, uh, you know, it, 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 you know, grew up in the DC area and, um, you know, I was lucky enough to be in the Joe Gibbs 1.0 era and, and see the Super Bowl teams. And I was maybe too young to uh, so totally get like culture or things, but it was obvious, especially in, in hindsight, but even in the moment that things were, went a certain way and and Joe Gibbs Jack Ken Cook allowed Joe Gibbs and Bobby Beathard to do what they needed to do and and to that end everything kind of went as as much as you know as hope you could possibly hope um there's a lot of luck to winning a Super Bowl but the the day in day out culture of a place is not luck it is sort of you build it a certain way or you don't and Dan Snyder obviously has just been it's not even that he's been terrible at it. I, I just don't know if he even understands what it takes on that front to be good. We'll see if the Ron Rivera situation holds, but uh, it's hard to be completely optimistic knowing what's happened over the last 20 years. So you know, one last question before we move on to some Wizards and NBA talk. I ask every reporter who is near to the Washington football team or covers the Washington football team, about their thoughts on Alex Smith's remarkable journey. I, I mean, any way you look at it, it was a remarkable journey. I'd like your thoughts on the Alex Smith comeback in in Ben Standing's mind. <laughs> well, anybody who's ever heard me do an interview on my or on the radio or my podcast has heard me say some version of this, and that is, I don't think I've ever been more wrong about any topic sports probably or otherwise well not otherwise I'm sure, I'm sure otherwise i've been worse but in terms of sports i don't think i've ever been more wrong i didn't have thought, think for one second he would ever play i didn't think he would pass a physical i didn't think he would uh, practice make the 53-man roster actually be active actually play actually not be terrible as as the time as it went on um and it was a point like during you know maybe it's around the pittsburgh game or somewhere in there it's just like Wow, are we not even talking about Alex Smith and the injury? We're just talking about a guy playing quarterback. Uh, it's a testament to his resolve, his will that he wanted to do this and that he did do it. I remember talking to all kinds of people uh, before the season started: uh, Urban Meyer, Scott McLuhan. People, the, you know, McLuhan drafted him at San Francisco. Urban Meyer was his college coach, um, and others who were like, I, you know, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how this is possible that this is happening. And yet they also also said that when they were around him, he had this, he had a will, uh, uh, you know, that, that was just un, unmatched uh, in their time. And, um, you know, it, it's quite impressive. I think ultimately this is more of a national story than a local story. I don't think when people think of the Washington football team over time, they're going to think about Alex Smith, the player, they will always remember this incredible story. He won comeback player of the year here. Um, the football side, you know, he kind of is ultimately going to be sort of a blip because he just didn't play that much. Um, but yeah, just an unbelievable reminder that, you know, no matter what anybody says, you can we can all achieve probably a lot more than we think. And he's a great example of that. 
Great insight there on uh, Alex Smith's remarkable comeback into the National Football League. Once again, joined by Ben Standig, host of the Standig Room, only podcast writer for The Athletic here on the Kirby on Sports podcast. Um, I, I, I want to dip into some NBA here. Um, for, first and foremost, um, what do you cover more for The Athletic, uh, the football team or uh, the Wizards? Just a random uh, question. <laughs> no, no, for anybody who's been paying attention to me, knows it's a reasonable question. Uh, for the athletic, it's pretty much at this point like 95% football team. I've written like a couple stories about the Wizards this year. Um, part of that is the pandemic and, you know, not going to games. Like if we were in the real world, now that we're in the offseason, I would be going to most Wizards home games just because I enjoy it. And that was the thing I did more of. If, we, if you had asked me this before the athletic, it would have been reverse. Um, probably like 70, 30 wizards, um, something like that. Um, but it's just, you know, to be competitive on this beat, it's kind of hard to focus on too many other things. And, you know, between the lack of access and frankly, the wizards, you know, have largely stunk. Obviously they've been better um, the last couple of weeks, but in general, they have been not been very good and not pretty interesting to boot. So there wasn't as much reason to go there. And, you know, the, the other reality is that there's way more people interested in the football team than the wizards. So from a, business perspective it's not it does not that much incentive to focus on the wizard but that said i still try to watch as many games as i can i uh, our wizards guy fred katz i go on his podcast basically once a week to talk about them and i do contribute some things here and there we, we have a story um coming out a couple of uh, three of us uh, coming out i guess next week at this point or so, i don't know when this is running but um a couple few days from now uh, that i helped with but uh, yeah it's mostly the football team at this point so I, I want to get your thoughts. Obviously, the Wizards at the start of this season just look terrible. The John Wall trade for Russell Westbrook, Westbrook getting injured, then this huge COVID thing, but that was way back. Um, but the Wizards are actually starting to improve, in my opinion. I mean, they're still under 500, but with how tight the East division is, they're not too far out of a playoff spot. I know it's still early and whatnot, but the, this East division, the, the Wizards are looking like they could have a shot at the playoffs. Um, just your thoughts in general on the Wizards and um, the East so far, how tightly contested it looks. And uh, just tell me what you think the Wizards need to do to get into that playoff spot. I mean, the East is terrible. It's really crazy just having been – it's only been in the last – couple of days that there's been more than three teams over 500 now I think obviously the pandemic you know who knows how it's messed with any individual person or teams obviously we've seen with the Wizards you know it was a real cluster you know <laughs> uh, a few weeks ago when when they had to pause their season we had, they had a lot of guys um, who were testing positive at that point so um, you know definitely has caused some, some some problems so yes they're in the mix to be in the playoffs and you know going back to when they made the Westbrook trade I think not knowing that Westbrook was not going to be hundred percent as he clearly wasn't for a while. And don't, it looks like he's, he's closer now. Um, you know, didn't know how that would affect things. The Davis Bertans arrived from being overseas throughout all this and wasn't clearly was not in shape. And, you know, it really sent them down, uh, you know, spiraled down, down the wrong way. And, um, you know, they've, they've played basically 500 ball over the last 16 or 17 games. So that's, it's a better sign. And, you know, I thought preseason they, they had a, a six or seven seed upside. 
So I think we're starting to see that version now. Ultimately, I think this all kind of comes down to what does Russell Westbrook do? When he's been playing better, they've been better. Bradley Beal's been unbelievable um, all year. But Westbrook, he's such a good player when he's right that that's a huge help. But he's also so ball dominant that when he's bad, it's really going to go south. So um, when he's been good, they've looked a lot better. Um, so sure, I mean, especially when you consider that the playoffs is your mean top 10 teams because of the whole playing thing they're doing now. Um, you know, making the playoffs doesn't seem even that complicated. So I think they certainly have more than a good chance to do that much, um, assuming that um, everybody stays healthy. Um, what does that mean for the long haul big picture? That part, I think, is far murkier. But in terms of this year, sure, I could see them being one of the top 10 teams in the, in the East. Yeah, like you said, I mean, not really tightly contested. I'm going to backtrack there. But, like, the East isn't as strong as teams in the West, in my opinion. I feel like this has been a trend for a while now that the teams in the East aren't as good as the teams in the West. But, I mean, it still, it, like the Wizards win over the Lakers. I mean, th that's probably a fluke win. Yeah, you know, the Lakers are a good team still, but still the Wizards have been getting good quality wins. And I, I, I feel like that's an opportunity for them to gain momentum, capitalize and make their run to the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, this it feels like it's been their trend the last couple of years where they play better against the better teams and then don't seem to show up as much oh, yeah. against the lesser teams. Um, they just gotten smoked by the Memphis Grizzlies the other day, who, you know, not the worst team in the league, but whatever. Then they rally at home to beat the Clippers. Now, the Clippers didn't have Paul George in the East Coast and blah, blah, blah. But obviously, the Clippers had just smoked them in L.A. a couple weeks prior and and all that. Um, you mentioned the Lakers. I mean, yeah, they've had some really good wins uh, lately. Um, you know, look, I think that most teams have a level of talent that is competitive. It's just a matter of, you know, do you consistently get it there night in, night out? That's where the coaching part comes into play, not just drawing up an X's and O's. But, I mean, the players in theory should not be having to – should not need the coaching a coach to motivate them. But – you know, I mean, that's just how the world works. I mean, we, you know, I don't wake up every single day going, you know what? I'm taking on the world today by the bull by the horns. Let's go. I mean, it would be sometimes you need a little encouragement or thought or somebody pushing you or pushing right buttons or whatever. So, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's reasons to be optimistic if you're a fan, but I'm I'm a realist. I think it's optimistic if you're really just as some people are. Hey, can we make the playoffs this year? Sure. Is this thing headed in the right direction? Uh, I don't know. I think this is a big offseason for them. I'm, there could be a coaching change. Brooks's contract is up. Could be a front office change. If all those things happen, then we'll see what direction they go in. Uh, you know, there's always a threat that Bradley Beal could say, hey, I want to get out of here. I don't see any signs that that's happening, but that would be a big thing. And you need Rui Hachimura, Denny Avdia to develop. I guess Troy Brown's probably not in the mix at this point, but you need those guys to develop. And if all that happens – then things could be interesting. But right now, this is too much in the air for me to be like, everything is trending in the right direction. But at least for this year, things are a little more positive. Yeah, absolutely. So um, big picture here with COVID and NBA starting up, I didn't really think there would be an all-star game, but they're putting everything together into one night for this sort of all-star night. 
Uh, give me your thoughts on uh, how you like that move from the NBA to combine everything all into one night. Well, I just think, I think a lot of this is, is complicated. There is a lot of money involved. I think to pretend that there's not is, is unrealistic. I think we ought to live in the real world. And um, these are big companies and, uh, you know, it is sports and it is frivolous, but people, this is how people make their livelihood, right? So the league is basically like, well, we have to figure out a way to get this done. So they're taking, everybody that gets to a degree is taking the risk, flying around the country to go to Atlanta, right? Um, and they're going to try to be as safe, I guess, as possible. So to, con- to, to jam it all into one night, I guess, makes some sense in that regard to try to not spread this thing out the way they nor- would normally. But at the same point, you know, it is obviously a, a bit risky to say the least to have all these guys coming or you know flying around the country coming together but i i don't know i mean you know the 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 whole world has been weird but we've been trying to navigate this now for literally a year and uh you know we've learned a lot in this time really i honestly can't believe it's been a year uh me either (laughs) me either yeah it's really hard to, to 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 grasp um so, like, I'm not sitting here going, yes, I get what the NBA is doing, and, you know, I don't care. I mean, I, it's, it's concerning because I'm concerned about all these things, but at the same point, I also understand that it is a business, and we've gone this far. They, they, they're still traveling around the country uh, for just to play the games, right? So, you know, this is a little more frivolous, but it is part of the business, so I understand. Yeah, I feel like it's a part of a, the business any way you look at it for any of the sports leagues because – yeah, I, I feel like if the NFL were to just scrap the season due to the fact of this pandemic or when COVID hit certain teams and the NFL pause, that would have cost a lot of money. Because I I mean, I, I mean, it, I think these sports team, these sports leagues revolve mostly around money. And that's one of the main reasons why I think uh, teams and leagues are adapting to change during this pandemic. Um, and get giving fans something to watch during these uncertain times. And I, I'm glad they're doing it safely. And, um, I, I mean, you saw it with the caps and other teams in the NHL, the NFL, pr- pretty much anywhere fines getting handed out. If anybody breaks COVID protocol or anything like that, do you, do you like the way that these leagues have been handling COVID so far? Um, you know, again, uh, I, I think it's just tricky. I mean, uh, it just being, look, again, like when, when this all came down a year ago, I mean, I don't think anybody, none of us had a clue what to do. And I, I wasn't sitting here going, well, the team should have this figured out because obviously how could anybody have this figured out? Even when they started, the football team started training camp in the season, you know, months later, but in August and September, we were all still like, well, how is this possibly going to work? I think that. I don't know. I think like a lot of things in, 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 in life to a degree, you have to do the best you can to try to mitigate risk as much as possible. I mean, I, I guess I would just say this without getting like political about this. There were a lot of things happening in this country that were far more neglectful happening at the highest levels that were screwing this all up. And we're still paying for that price now because of the fact that we weren't taking this as, as serious action as we were. Um, the, 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 the teams all taken 
financial hits, probably the NFL less than the other ones because the league is just so popular and was able to put, you know, again, they were um, fortunate where the calendar broke that they were in the off season and didn't have to lose too much. They lost preseason games, but that's not the same as major league baseball losing a hundred games and um, the NBA losing uh, some as well. And, 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 you know, the end of the regular season and some games this year. So I think it's been a lot of trial and error. I mean, knock on wood, fortunately it's been, I think relatively fine how things have gone. Um, but I, personally for me, it's been more about how this country has handled stuff and these leagues are part of all that. And, uh, you know, they're all caught up in it and they're one of the more public facing companies out there because of the nature of sports. So all, all that, all, all that said, um, it's very confusing, but at the same time, I, 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 I think they tried to do the best they can sort of enough. And I, I give them kudos for that. I mean, the NFL ultimately did make it through the year without too many issues. Yeah, absolutely. Once again, Ben Standig, writer for The Athletic, host of the Standing Room Only podcast. Ben, we appreciate you hopping on. Hey, Josh, I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Yes, sir. The Kirby on Sports podcast continues right after this. Is it finally time to upgrade your home's interior? How about with an authentic farm table made locally from recycled barn wood? Shenandoah Primitives, based right here in Winchester, Virginia, makes farm tables, benches, tables, coffee tables, and a long list of other items for your home decorating needs. At Shenandoah Primitives, function and style are combined for great furniture that will last generations. If you're interested in combining the industrial look of metal with wood or considering something incredibly unique with a live edge, Shenandoah Primitives turns those ideas into reality. Thinking about a mirror, wine rack, or other act and peace for your home, Shenandoah Primitives can assist with that as well. As a local small business, Shenandoah Primitives is happy to work with each client for a custom design or schedule an appointment to come out and view current inventory. Local, high-quality, handmade items can be found at Shenandoah Primitives. Find us on Facebook and Instagram or visit us at www.shenandoahprimitives.com. Once again, that's www.shenandoahprimitives.com. Big thanks to Ben Standig from The Athletic for joining me on the Kirby on Sports podcast. That about wraps things up for another edition of the Kirby on Sports podcast. Once again, a big thanks to our sponsors, Regroup Building Services, PM Plus Reserves, Shenandoah Primitives, and Chief Graphics. Big thanks, as always, to Dave Johnson and Productions by Quet as well. You can find the Kirby on Sports podcast, www.kirbyonsports.com, and you can check out the Kirby on Sports podcast on all podcast platforms. Until the next time, always continue to create greatness, and we will catch you on the next episode. So long, and peace out. Uh-huh.